Welcome to The Midpoint, conversations with the extraordinary people building the American innovation economy from the inside out. I'm Patrick McKenna, founder of One America Works. Today, we're, we're joined by uh, a, an amazing example of what we're talking about here. So, so Will Young, um, I'm going to ask him to do some of his intro, but I want to give a couple of things here. So, so Will and I moved to Austin about the same time and uh, around 2019 from the Bay Area. And um, I'll let him talk a little bit about that move. But um, I, I really was, uh, you know, I'd been in Silicon Valley for 15 years. I uh, started three companies there. I started a fourth company, but in Baltimore. And I was just really looking around for a place that had a lot of positive energy, um, innovative thinkers. And, and when I came to Austin, I, I found that. And then sure enough, not uh, a couple of months after moving, I found that that, that Will had moved here and, um, and, and had headquartered his company, uh, Sauna Benefits, here as well. And so um, today we're going to just have a, a quick chat, um, Will and I talking about his founder journey and the company and um, you know operating outside of, uh, of Silicon Valley. And, and hopefully a lot of folks here on the call will be able to take some lessons from Will's experience. So again, I want to welcome Will. Welcome to uh, OEW Connect. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Patrick. I'm uh, obviously a big believer in in uh, the mission that you just described and and uh, the sort of overall vision. And yeah, it's great to chat with you and, and nice to meet all of you on the uh, on the Zoom. Dude, would you mind just you know starting off a little bit? A lot of people, I think, on this call um, are you know either started a company or thinking about starting a company. Um, you've been in the startup world for a while. Could you just talk a little bit about your founder journey before we dig into in, into what you're doing with Sauna? Just like how did you get involved in entrepreneurship and what your path was? Yeah, sure. You know, I I think um, I think there's sort of a question of whether entrepreneurs are are born or made. And uh, you know, I I grew up from a young age admiring entrepreneurship. My you know, I had a uh, plenty of other entrepreneurs in my family, people that own small businesses or people that had started things around tech even. And so I was exposed to it from a young age and I'd always admired that and, and wanted to follow in the footsteps of uh, some friends and family that that had built their own companies. And uh, it took a while, but eventually, you know, I sort of worked some big jobs. I worked in consulting a little bit. I worked in Hollywood briefly, then worked for Google, and then uh, took my first foray into early stage venture backed tech companies by joining a company called JustWorks really early. Uh, I was on the, you know, not the founding team. I joined a, a couple of years after they were founded, but they were 10 people and got this crash course in how you build a fast growing uh, venture backed business, growing from 10 people to 150 people, raising several rounds of venture capital. And then after a couple of years there, uh, finally got the the courage and, and will to, to start a company on my own. And so I started started sauna benefits. Um, and then uh, a couple years later, moved to Austin and met, met Patrick. So I just want to, so sauna benefits. So you're doing two really hard things at once, right? You're attacking more the than two industry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so many things. So, so two, yeah. two really big ones. That, and let's add a few more here is attacking the healthcare industry by building a completely novel new from the ground up insurance company that has all the health services and you're also doing it in in the heartland. You're doing it in a place that not everybody associates with kind of the type of scale of innovation. And just for context, everybody here, um, Will has raised over a hundred million dollars for his Austin-based uh, startup. And so, you know, when you talk about validation, big idea, you get the right team, you get early traction, you raise 
I think you raised three, then you raised six, and then you raised 20, and then you raised 60. Yeah. Each yeah. way along and doing that in a big market that has a lot of complexity and then doing it um, outside of the typical place. And I think you also, well, maybe also talk a little bit about um, the way you're organized because you do have some team members that are kind of spread out a bit. So um, the gang here at, at, our, at, our, at our Connect uh, event, like we're looking at success big raise, big idea, and with giant prospects going. So do you maybe unpack a couple of the challenges and how you attack them, both from attacking a big industry and also say you have a very unique um, investor with GigaWorks. <laughs> yeah, well, GigaFund, yeah, and, Giga uh, Fund. and Trust also. Yeah, so it's funny, you know, I thought when I started uh, Sauna that we were going to be a Bay Area-based company. You know, and I'd lived uh, in a couple coastal cities. You know, I lived in New York, I lived in Boston, I lived in LA and San Francisco. I've sort of bounced around these more traditional venture capital hubs. And I thought that's where we were going to build the business because that's where, you know, people that I went to school with and, and knew that, you know, in the tech scene, that's where I, I knew that they built businesses. But my first sort of um, pull to the heartland uh, was that I'd met this amazing software engineer in New York who moved back to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and uh, we eventually became co-founders. And I was like, well, how are we going to do this if you're living in Columbus? And uh, and he, you know, he wanted to be close to family. And he's like, well, look, you know, I'm willing to, you know, I know I might be giving up a life in like a big venture-backed startup to move to Columbus, but I need to be here for family. And, but I knew that he was such a great collaborator. We were like, okay, we're just going to find a way to found this company remotely and, and working together to build it. And then we hired our first designer and she was based in Columbus and we worked remotely together and we kept hiring more engineers and they were distributed as well. And we discovered there was a huge opportunity of all these people across the country that were just as talented as folks on the coasts. Uh, and, uh, and I sort of changed my framework of like, oh, actually you can, you can build a team, you can build a company that is geographically agnostic and you're not tethered to one of these talent or capital hubs in a way that used to. And this was before COVID when I think a much larger portion of the population figured this out. We were doing this in, in 2017 and 2018. And so that was sort of the first insight. Um, the second thing was California sort of pushed us out. You know, as you were saying, Patrick, we're doing some hard things, healthcare and insurance. And uh, these states that have had boom times for the last several decades have become really overregulated. You know, New York and California um, it's very hard to start new things in highly regulated industries. And this is another opportunity that sort of heartland states uh, provide is, is Texas was a much easier place to launch a complicated business like health insurance than California. And so when we looked at which market we wanted to launch in, Texas was the obvious market. And so I was pulled once again uh, away from the coasts. And then Patrick mentioned that we found you know some unique investors. You know, our early, you know, I, I went up and down uh, Sand Hill Road, which is the name of the sort of venture capital hub in uh, in uh, the Bay Area. Like I, I pitched all the major venture capitalists uh, on the early idea before we had traction, before we had anything to show. And I wasn't like a, a blockchain company and I wasn't like AI and there wasn't like a lot of exciting traction yet. But the early idea, I had a lot, a lot of difficulty finding uh, folks in Silicon Valley to, to believe in it. And I think there's a lot of groupthink that happens in that community as well that made it hard for them to see opportunities that took different approaches than, than what they were used to seeing that were outside of the normal pattern. And I found these venture capitalists actually were based in Austin, 
uh, that, uh, that saw the vision and happened to have a big uh, funding base of their own. So, uh, and so I could actually start building a, a business that was of the venture scale using investors that uh, were from uh, outside of the normal, normal capital centers. And so these three forces, the sort of the talent distribution, the sort of regulatory arbitrage that we saw, and then the, the sort of new wave of capital that's available outside of these major hubs, they basically made Sana possible. And we built our business uh, around, around those, those new trends. It's it's a it's like a case study of of Heartland entrepreneurship. <clears throat> I was, you know, my my day job being comeback capital, where I invest in early stage companies based in the Heartland. We had the four questions of, you know, why this? Like, why are you doing this? Like, why is this an idea? Like, why now? Like, what is the critical thing? Why you? And then the fourth one is why here, right? Mm. And it's like you got to have a great idea. There needs to be a critical moment and also regulatory change, regulatory arbitrage. Like there's a lot of things that you can go and find that why now by, like you said, doing it in Texas versus in California, a lot of them. And then there's this why here, you're able to find the talent that wasn't otherwise available in your case. This is the thing for everybody in, in, in the group here is that is like your investors are out there. Your investors are out there. They're harder to find when you're in a Columbus or an Austin or, or a Cleveland or something like that. But your investors are out there and they're out there more and more. So um, Sauna is a great example in, of, of finding investors who believe in what they're doing and are going to back them over the long scale. So that is just terrific. Now, how about operating with remote versus office? How, how yeah. have you dealt with that? I mean, you've used it as a as a like a as a secret weapon, like a superpower. Um, is it continue to be a superpower? Have you evolved your thinking around remote uh, or hybrid? I definitely view it as a superpower. I, I feel like when we first were pitching the business, you know, in the early days when it was just my co-founder and myself and a few other employees, investors were so skeptical of remote teams, especially remote founders. You know, they thought, oh, you have to be in the trenches together every day, seeing each other. And I do think there's a real advantage to that. So I think there's a real cost to remote work, which is that you're not, you know, you you maybe are a little slower to iterate on on some things because you're not seeing each other all day. Uh, but on the other hand, um, you're a lot less distracted. It's much easier to get like focused, quiet work done. Uh, and if you if you build your culture the right way, you document things much more clearly and you create communication interfaces that actually make it easier for someone new to join and get up to speed quickly because they there's not like there's not a lot of informal knowledge distributed in a bunch of pockets because people have always just like sat next to each other and understood things like we force people to document a lot more and we we were forced by being remote to like think about how we communicate and where responsibility lies and how we hold people accountable in a way that people in person uh don't have to think about as much because it, it comes naturally so I think the, the advantage in hiring people is tremendous. I think there are some productivity advantages, even though there's some productivity costs. And I think before we started building the company, I always assumed we'd reach a, a scale at which we'd revert back to being in person. And we really haven't had to do that. Um, we, we got up to 200 employees uh, and the company's working great. The culture is really strong. People love working with each other. We're incredibly productive. We're growing fast. Uh, so you can build a, a company that's of modest scale from my own personal personal experience, I know we can. That's that works really well, 
And we've got advisors that have worked at companies like Envision, which is a design software, and they've got thousands of employees distributed around the world, and uh, and it works quite well for them. So I'm, I'm confident you can scale it up even an order of magnitude higher and, and have remote work work well. You just have to think about organizational design. Um, and it has to be a, you know, the, the a culture The key fit. point there, yeah. Will, is that, that – and everybody who's on the is think, listening to this is that like designing it from the beginning – with remote in mind, right? It's like, it can't be the second thought if you're going to get this productivity. So uh, the company that I co-founded in 2016, um, Facet Wealth, which is now just Facet, we started it in Baltimore with a remote uh, like hybrid where we about three quarters of the people envision would be remote. And we just wanted to tap into the Hopkins talent and the the talent around like T. Rowe Price and, and Lake Mason and all the things. So we were looking for talent and we found Baltimore, which wasn't an obvious place to go. But then, you know, there is incredible knowledge around investment management. And um, but we thought about remote first from the very beginning. So when COVID hit in 2020, we had 70 employees. We went no office, grew to 260, went from, you know, whatever, we had maybe a hundred million of, of assets under management, now like 8 billion, and we have no office. And we went from having raised 2 million to have now raised 160 million with no office. And But we designed from the beginning the DNA of how to actually scale and build and access talent in different places. So anybody who's thinking that you're going to build a company, particularly outside of Silicon Valley, if you need 500 engineers that are doing like like deep tech AI, maybe Silicon Valley is the place for you. But if you're in another city and you need you know more than 50, 100, you're going to need to tap talent pools outside of where you are. And so if you're in Columbus, now you should be thinking, how am I going to tap talent in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Cincinnati and not have everybody come to Columbus because it's just not enough tech people to scale the business. So your success is going to be requiring you to be able to do what Will was just describing. Well, I have one more question um, for you. Then we're going to get into uh, getting into the, the breakouts and, and talking to each other. Is there some trend, something that people aren't talking about, whether it's related to healthcare, insurance, um, funding, something that you know really well that others don't know yet that you could share with the group? This isn't necessarily a trend. I think this is an evergreen opportunity. But if I was advising someone, you know, if someone's out there thinking about an idea they want to start, people tend to gravitate towards what's new and shiny. And this is true of investors and this is true of founders, but things like AI, things like blockchain, whatever, whatever the, the, the idea du jour is. But there's always a lot more opportunity to build a great business in uh, the areas that are not shiny and exciting. You know, I, w- I worked in Hollywood for a couple of years out of college and it was the shiniest possible industry. You know, there wasn't that much opportunity for someone that wanted to build something new. You know, you were sort of fighting all these entrenched people and there was a fixed pie, but B2B software, you know, if you, or insurance or FinTech or healthcare, you know, pick these industries that feel intimidating because they're so complicated and so boring in some ways that like, that's actually where a lot of the opportunity is. And so if you're fishing for you know, ideas. Don't just think about what sounds cool at a cocktail party. Think about what, um, you know, where the economy actually is and where there might be, you know, an opportunity if you want to, you don't mind working in a space that's complicated and, uh, you know, not as exciting uh, to an outside observer. It can be really exciting internally from a business building perspective. And, and that's what I found. That's really good good insight for the entrepreneurs that are on the on the session today and are going to be listening and watching this 
Because what I, I think a lot as an investor, I've invested in over 70 companies in the heartland. And it's like you as an entrepreneur know something because of where you are, whether it's transportation, logistics, robotics, manufacturing, healthcare, health services, you have some edge. If you don't have an edge, you probably shouldn't start a company. You need to actually have an edge, a knowledge edge. And then what we talk a lot about here is a trust network. Like who do you know in this space that gives you special access to some inside a trend? And then, then bridging that to like, what network do you need to build? You need to build a network to customers. You need to build a network to investors. You need to build a network to the talent that needs to fill in what you know. So um, starting with something like you have a deep insight into that others aren't looking at yet is going to significantly improve your ability to succeed. Well, Will, um, I just want to thank you for, for the time today sharing uh, your amazing success. And uh, hopefully others uh, uh, picked up something from it as well. We'll, we'll share this out and um, summarize it a bit. Uh, but again, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, enjoyed it. And uh, uh, I couldn't believe more in the mission again. And uh, good luck to everyone who's, who's building something out there. And uh, feel free to reach out if you ever want uh, advice or uh, uh, bounce ideas. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to helping people. Well, uh, back to that trust network. Will made a serious offer. Hopefully you all uh, can, if anybody's doing something that's related to what he's doing, you will reach out and take him up on it. I know that Will's very serious about helping others. I've, I've seen it many times. And the fact that he's here with us today is um, is great evidence of that. Um, all right. So thank you, Will, for, for your time today. Really appreciate it.